Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. You hearing this? It sounds like... Yeah, this is playoff basketball. Time to tap into playoff mode. That non-stop, claw your way to the top, give it all you got type of thing. From inside the paint to outside the arena. Where did this come from? Everybody's got to get in playoff mode and stay in playoff mode. Every single round. The NBA playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, and TNT. This is John Rocco, one-third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Geek Buddies. Hey! Hey! Guys, it's going to be so good when we can actually do that in person. It's going to sound so much better when we're in a room together. We're going to have to remember how we used to do it because it was different. <laughs> back, That's a good back in the olden times. <laughs> Back in pre-coronavirus times. Uh, yeah, we are uh, back again this week with another episode for you all to enjoy uh, and uh, have fun with. Uh, last week, thank you all so much for watching our episode and creating space for us to talk about what was happening in the world and what is still currently happening in the world and in the country. Uh, and we got so many great responses from you all. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for your likes on the episode and your views especially and for those of you who downloaded us uh and listened to us on the podcast feed thank you as well you know we really appreciated all the positive comments that were coming our way uh we were hesitant to have that conversation and it seems like we made the right decision by having it since you all were very receptive to our points of views um but let's introduce ourselves i am a john roke i'm a writer producer and host here in los angeles ceo of the outlaw nation I am Michael Vogel. I am a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And I am Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor, where you may have seen me on Teen Wolf, The Mindy Project, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And still figuring um, out that microphone thing, Shannon. Still is figuring it, out. Is it not, is it not working? Con- where's your microphone? 
Uh, I've got the lav connected. Not connected to your uh, to your shirt. Is it on your shirt? No, I've got it on. I've got it on the laptop right here because I figure I have that classical theater training. Uh, I speak from the diaphragm, so I don't need the lav right here. I've worked. I with love it when we have these. I've worked with I love it when we have these behind the scenes conversations on the air. <laughs> <laughs> can funny. you not hear it well do i need to uh, no no we can hear you you could hear the echo a little bit too so maybe next week we'll figure out how to put it attach it to actually a piece of your body we, we see for that from there <laughs> I'm uh, a small anyway guy. there's not a lot to, <laughs> to attach it to uh anyway we got a lot to cover today we're going to talk about uh you know some geek news items for those of you who are new to our show thank you so much for taking a chance on us for those who are, are returning thank you for continuing your support of the geek buddies but for those of you who are first timers uh the way the geek buddies works is uh, each one of us presents a geek news item in the first half of our show we talk about them and then we take a little bit of a mini break for our uh podcast listeners to listen to our uh sponsors and then we move on to our main topic and today our main topic is essentially tackling the idea of cancel culture and also what's been happening recently with jk rowling uh uh that hartley guy from uh from uh of the flash uh and a number of other things that have popped up uh, over the world in the world of entertainment concerning cancel culture and everything that's happening as a result of these protest movements and uh, this desire for people to be called out uh for past stuff and current stuff uh in the world today so but let's start out on a lighter note uh uh what do you got for us shannon yeah this week we got the first trailer for bill and ted face the music the third entry in the bill and ted franchise yeah uh yeah this this trailer came out this week it was nice to have something have something fun to watch i mean it's it was a short trailer uh but yeah we get to see glimpses of holland taylor's character we got to see glimpses of bill and ted's daughters but basically it sort sort of reinforces what we already know about the plot that bill and ted are now middle-aged they have not written the song that's going to change the world and sort of what do they do from here um yeah i i definitely have thoughts about this trailer um i'll, I'll be curious to hear what you guys think did you think it was excellent or bogus <laughs> oh nice nice prep um mike you go ahead what do you do what no you no think? no please johnny please johnny. okay like, well, your thoughts first <laughs> here's what i'll say uh i like the first movie uh i somewhat enjoy the second movie but really it's bill sadler or william sadler he's the one that sells me on the second movie playing death an obvious reference to ingmar bergman's the seventh seal Really funny stuff, their interactions. Overall, though, I didn't think it was as strong as the first movie. Now moving into the third movie. This is 29 years later. You know, I have my trepidation. A lot of the 80s nostalgia recently hasn't really worked uh, in terms of box office or in terms of critical reception. So my, I have a little bit of concern here. But I think we're in good hands with the director from Galaxy Quest taking this over. And I liked the trailer. I thought it was too short, in my opinion. I would have loved a two-minute, two-and-a-half-minute trailer. That would have been nice. We do get Keanu and Alex. I mean, you can tell Keanu's struggling a little bit to really convey that character again, and, and that's okay. I, I, I create space for it. But it's very charming, and it's great to see their chemistry still there. These are middle-aged guys, and they certainly radiate that. So we, it's kind of part of going along with the film. You have to uh, accept that conceit. Uh, the two daughters there, Samara Weaving, it's great to see them as well. We do get a little bit of Holland Taylor on those floating characters, but they cop out in using 
the time machine using the telephone booth, what they've known before. So uh, I, I, I'm curious to see, A, who's going to take over for the Rufus character. B, what's this whole idea of them being in prison and getting so swole by the end of that trailer and see how uh, this all got, kind of blows up in their face uh, and we find out how they uh, you know, actually write that song, if they ever write that song to save the world but be excellent to each other it's not a terrible message in such a tumultuous time that we're going through now in our world uh yeah i think that's all true i think that um <laughs> it it was fine i think Ooh. that i was excited i think i was excited when i saw that the trailer had come out i'm like okay now we're gonna see what this is and i watched it and i'm like okay Okay, we'll see. Uh, nothing that was like a giant red flag. Uh, it right. Definitely, I will say, like watching it a little bit felt like um, felt like it was a movie that had come out in the '80s and had just like someone had just like found it and dusted it off and was like, "Hey, here's a trailer from a long time ago." <laughs> it didn't really feel like a modern take on Bill and Ted to me. It uh. felt like a continuation, which maybe will be a good thing, maybe will be a bad thing. Um, you know, I, I think it's a solid idea for the plot. They've not written the song that we all thought that they had kind of already written and had been done. And so it's not there yeah. yet. They haven't fulfilled their destinies. I think that's cool. I think, you know, the idea, depending on how much they're going to dive into this, the idea of uh, being younger and thinking that you were going to change the world and then being middle-aged and realizing that you haven't done what you thought you were going to do could yeah. be, uh, there's a lot of a lot there. There's a lot to work with. Yeah. Um, it does seem like, you know, especially seeing them at the end all roided out in that prison, uh, you know, it seems like maybe we're going to be traveling down different possible futures as they try and figure out. Because, like, the whole plot is let's just go into the future and yeah. steal the song from ourselves. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a, you know, sort of back to the future sort of skewed timelines. And in this timeline, we're in prison. And in this timeline, we did this. And mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a lot harder to steal the song than they thought, obviously. And so I think that there's a lot of possibility. It could be really fun. I don't think the trailer bowled me over. Although, as you said, like it, we're in the hands of the guy that brought us Galaxy Quest, and those are not bad hands to be. I mean, the yeah. the tone and the flavor of what this should be is 100% in that Galaxy Quest pocket, which is yeah. kind of ridiculous, super silly but with really strong heart underneath it. And if they can manage that with this, I think they'll, they'll be, they'll, they'll have a lot of really, really happy uh, middle-aged dudes from the eighties. I, <laughs> I echo most of those sentiments. I do agree that it's a really, really good idea. Dean Pariseau, ideally the guy who directed galaxy quest, those are good hands. This is also the guy that directed red two, which was, uh, not, yeah. which was not Fair. a great movie. Um, I want this movie to be, so good, so bad. I do have an affection for the Bill and Ted franchise. A lot of that comes from me doing the Bill and Ted Halloween show at Universal Studios I, I, for Halloween Horror Nights. So I do have an affection for the property. But yeah, I agree. I think Keanu Reeves may just be past this. Um, I really, again, I really, really, really want it to be good. And the two actresses that are playing their daughters, um, Samara Weaving and Brigitte Lundy Payne, I think her name is, yeah. those are, those are both, they're both very, very funny. And the two that are playing the princess wives, Jamie Mays and the other, I think it's Aaron O'Neill. Um, mm -hmm. they have a Aaron very, Hayes. Aaron Hayes, Aaron Hayes, yeah. excuse, thank you. Um, they have a very stacked cast in terms of comedy, yeah. but the movie 
could be coming out in two months. And this was a very, very short trailer that we got. So yeah. I am uh, I am apprehensive right now. I really want it to be good. Um, right now, I'm a little I'm a little uncertain. I, I, I thought Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey was going to be fantastic. And I left the theater just kind of like, huh? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I wish they would have brought Genghis Khan and Napoleon back. Yeah. Underwhelmed. And that's the right uh, feeling, I think, to have when you walk out of Bogus Journey. Um, and yeah, I mean, um, you're right. I mean, it's coming out in two months. It's supposed to be coming out on August 21st. You look. You wonder if uh, they just did. They only wanted to show this much to kind of get people like feeling that the vibe of the original franchise is there. Um, I don't know, but I don't. But I, I don't expect this movie to be incredible or great. I expect this to be a nice, pleasant time in the theater, and just don't mess it up. That's basically my approach to this. And if we I don't get have a nice expectations, pleasant, if we get a nice, pleasant time, I will be very, very happy. I yeah. just the, the vibe that I get from the trailer. You guys will argue this, but I always feel like I've been a little bit prophetic with trailers. Mm. Um, when I see something, I'm like, oh, it's going to be bad. Um, yes, <laughs> rise, rise of Skywalker, Michael. I'll, Hollywood, I'll, I'll, Hollywood, I'll Hollywood right should hire you. Hollywood should hire you. You're so accurate. If only, if only they had somebody like you that could just like you got your finger on the pulse. You just know, and when you know, you know, you know. Fair great. point. Fair point. I, I don't want to leave the theater making this face at you guys. Yeah. I hope oh, that's not the face I make. Or this one. Uh, you know. It's fine. That's the worst. But Mike, do you, hold, do you hold any expectations on this one, Mike? I mean, you're sitting there sour-faced a little bit. You, are you just not feeling it? I don't. I, I actually, I mean, I love Bill and Ted. I remember going to see Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure at the AMC 6 at the Oak Mall in Gainesville, Florida, and Ooh. just loving it so much. Um, and I will say, out of the three of us, I probably give I'm not going to say that Bill and Ted's bogus journey is good, but I give it a pass for sheer ridiculousness. Like it's not good. It's kind of a mess. Uh, like Johnny, I think death is maybe the best part of the movie. Yeah. Um, but I think just the, the just balls out what the hell is even happening with the robots and station and heaven and hell. Like it's so audaciously ridiculous that I think it's kind of quaint, cute. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't have high expectations here. I actually, this is not going to be uh, one of the several times that I argue with Shannon about his uh, seeming psychic trailer abilities. I think um, I, I think it'll be fun to go see at uh -huh. this point. I think we're about to talk about this, but I think it's, you know at this point, it'll be fun to see anything in a movie theater. So I'll definitely go see it. And uh, it, yeah, I think if I have a good time and it gives me a few chuckles, I will be nostalgically happy, but I don't think this one is going to be bowling anybody over. Oh, fair, fair. Uh, I think that's, uh, you know, absolutely. Uh, well, yeah, what you mentioned, Mike, let's move on to our next story. And that's, uh, you know, connected to Bill and Ted. There's a, It's supposed to come out, I think, October or I'm sorry, August 21st at this point. They haven't moved uh, the date. Yeah, August 21st. They haven't moved the date. And if things go according to plan for these movie theaters, it will absolutely screen on August 21st. Because right now we're getting a lot of reports for a number of websites talking about these movie theaters opening. The AMC has a plan to open by July. Uh, California, which has a, you know, a large number of movie theaters, they apparently can start opening their movie theaters this Friday. 
That's insane as you're, as you're watching this. So if you're watching this, when we drop it on a Thursday, that's tomorrow. Movie theaters are all, are available to be opened on Friday in most counties if they limit their theater capacity to 25% uh, or no more than 100 people in that theater. They're going to uh, you know sell the tickets in certain blocks, certain sections, so you get like six feet of distance. So only certain number or certain uh, seat numbers are going to be available for you to purchase, and they'll trust that you'll maintain that six feet of distance. Uh, there's even suggestions that they'll use toilet cover, uh, plastic, oh, whatever, toilet cover, uh, those uh, cloth toilet, whatever those things are, they, they go into the bathroom and put on the toilet covers using that to like, toilet you covers. know, yeah, I guess toilet covers <laughs> to handle. I don't know. I've never used them, so I don't like the it. Thing, like, the, thing, the, the, the thing that you use to cover the toilet in the bathroom would be the toilet cover. <laughs> the, the uncomfortable thing you have to sit on when you're in a public bathroom. But they want to use that to like use that to open the door so you don't have to touch the actual handles. You have to wear their suggestion that you wear a, mace, a face mask going into the theater and leaving the theater and getting concessions, but not necessarily in the theater. Uh, and of course, there's a lot of uh, this is so interesting because California has 130,000 cases, 4,600 deaths. But when you see the news from AMC, then you start to understand there's probably some lobbying going on here behind the scenes because AMC lost $2.2 billion for the first quarter, which ended on March 31st. It's about almost $21 per share on their stock, which is massive. Uh, so I think you're sensing that there's a lot of movie chains. And uh, movie theater companies that want to find a way to get to come op to I mean, open their theaters, open their doors, and get people in those theaters to try to make some money. But twenty five percent of an audience, a hundred people, and how many of them are really going to get refreshments? You start to ask these questions of like, is it worth it? Uh, but maybe this is a soft rollout, what they like to call a soft opening, before they do the big openings in July with Tenet still scheduled to go on July seventeenth. Even though my friend Jeff Snyder over at Collider thinks there, he has sources telling him it's going to be delayed. But for right now, that's what they're planning. So, guys, do you think it's too early? Do you think this actually makes sense on the business side of things to do a soft rollout and then hit the bricks, hit you know, work out all the kinks so you can hit the bricks? Uh, uh, hit, I mean, hit it uh, out of the park when it opens in July, when it fully opens in July. I mean, I think a soft opening is absolutely a good idea. I mean, most. Most restaurants, most stores, theme parks, they, they do that when they're when they're having to open something new. Like they want to mm. they want to have a dry run uh, with employees, with friends and family. So I do think that's a really that is a really smart choice. I mean, you know, we were talking about this the other day. It's like, OK, just because they can open doesn't mean they're going to. Right. Uh, on the 12th. And also, what are they going to show? Because, yeah. are, you know, are they going to throw up Invisible Man, which, you know, had was in the theaters for a month and now most people if they wanted to see it on vod they yeah. probably have are they gonna start just showing classic movies classic marvel movies 80s movies i mean i i'm excited to get back into a movie theater and with the social distancing mm. guidelines as they've been laid out for me personally that is a dream yeah. i love not having anybody around me except the people that i know um, but as we've seen this week, as you know, there there have been reports of some spikes in uh, coronavirus uh, happening. Mm -hmm. It's like, God, I, I I hope we don't open just to have to close again. Yeah, that's, that's my hope. Yeah, Mike. Uh, I mean, look, I think we are in the process of trying to figure out what this reopening of a country looks like, and I do think you know this is something that does need to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that. 
uh, I think there's a good chance that, you know, as a lot of people are saying, we may be closing things down again. It's, I think that there's going to be a lot of starts and stops. I think that uh, we're figuring this out as we go. And I think that for the movie industry and for the movie theater chain industry, particularly like a lot of businesses, like they're hurting. And this is a constant balance that we're going to be living with for the foreseeable future, which is uh, public health and safety plus uh, economic growth and stability. And that back and forth, uh, not it's not saying that one is more valuable. It's not saying that it's more important to have business than to have sick people. Um, but as we continue to learn more about uh, the coronavirus, as we hopefully work towards having a vaccine, figuring out how to safely and socially distantly still open up businesses so that things can be happening is important. And I do think, as we talked about, I think that the soft opening, kind of as Shannon said, there is a let's work out the kinks, let's make sure we know what we're doing here. I think there's also a level of comfortability. I think, you know, as we all discussed prior to this, whether it is showing classic movies, movies they know people love to see on the big screen, like whatever it is, I think getting people comfortable over the next month or so with the idea of going to the movies yeah. uh, is just gearing everybody up for Tenant and Mulan and Black Widow and everything that is supposed to be coming out subsequently because they want people in there. And I think if you were to open up the theaters the day that Tenant came out, you're going to have the same reaction that a lot of people are having as probably they're listening to this, which is I'm kind of in the Shannon camp of Tell me what to do. Tell me where to sit. I will wear the mask. I will do whatever. I want to sit in a movie theater and watch a movie. Like I, I feel, but I know that I have a more, uh, like I'm more comfortable going out and doing that stuff. Some people aren't. And so in that initial few weeks of opening, there's still going to be a ton of people that are like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going in. You're not going to catch me anywhere near a movie theater. But after people have been going to a movie for a week and then two weeks and then three weeks, by the time Tenant comes out, you go, okay, well, people have been going. I talked to five friends who went. They said it felt safe to them. I feel more comfortable. So I think this is just a slow roll to get people used to it, which is, I think, yeah. what a lot of us are doing right now. You know, I haven't gone out, you know, we're, I'm here in West Hollywood and restaurants are open. Like restaurants have been opening up. Yes, people they are. Your people are socially distantly, you know, sitting every other table, you know, pay, men, no menus in your hand. Somebody holds it up for you, like all the different rules that are, they're going through to make sure that it's safe. But I've been, you know, walking the dog, marching and protesting or wherever and you see people sitting in restaurants. I still haven't gone yet, yeah. but I it's the same logic of a week from now, two weeks from now, as people have been doing it, I can easily see myself going, hey, you guys want to get together and talk about Geek Buddies at Wood Ranch at the Grove? They opened. We can go sit there. There'll be, you know, and I think that it's just getting people comfortable is kind of where we're at right now. And now to your guys' point, it's going to be a real shame if we get everybody comfortable and everybody goes out and then we have a huge spike and just shut back down again, which is definitely a possibility. So, man, we are living in the upside down. Like there are, yeah. there are no rules and nobody knows what's going to happen. And as we have learned in the past several weeks, like, who knows what else is going to come along and uh, and throw another curveball into yeah. getting back to a semblance. I don't want to say getting back to normal because I think that we're at a place of life where maybe we can do better than normal in yeah. a lot of ways. But I think getting back to being out in the world and social and moving things forward again. Yeah. 
I guess I'm kind of in the minority on this than on the show because I'm no rush to go back to a movie theater. I'm not. I mean, I <clears throat> maybe because I've been watching movies since I was a child and I've watched them for decades and I've kind of, you know, I've got the experience. I know what's there. And uh, I've still been getting. Wait, wait, sense. wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Are you implying that Shannon and I have not been watching movies since no. childhood? No, from what I understand, you guys just started a decade ago watching movies. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I guess I'm just trying to say You've been watching that. movies your whole life. Shannon and I, you know, we're so new to this. We're just excited to get in the theater. We didn't get them in Florida until the until the new millennium. What is the black and white? What is the black and white? Uh, no, I, I guess I'm just saying. Like I've seen, you know, I've seen movie theater. You know, I, I I've I've been in for decades. So it's like for me, it's it's to skip to miss out on a year of not going to the movie theater uh, would be just fine with me, to be honest with you. And I've been getting the early screenings of films, thankfully, because of my connections with publicists and the studios to review on the channel. And look, I've got, Oh no, I don't want to hear it from backyard haircut over there. I don't want to hear the <laughs> <laughs> little off camera uh, shot there, but no, I mean, I, I, I just, I'm okay with it because i've been like i just watched the king of staten island they sent it to me early to review it because i interviewed the writer and i i was uh i was had a you know i was just perfectly fine watching it on my television and i think pretty much any i just rewatched uh endgame the other day on my television thoroughly enjoyed it i'm like yeah I, i'm actually kind of fine just sitting at home and watching it. I know there are, you know, the study that came out a few weeks ago, 70% of people surveyed in that study said they were just fine with never going to a movie theater again and just watching films at their house. So we'll see what happens and how many people are in my camp, how many people are in your camp. I'm sure the box office and uh, uh, the dollars will uh, show it. Because if these, if Tenet, Mulan, if these films start coming out and their box office half, of what was predicted and not because of distancing, but because there's just uh, people not coming. Uh, then I think that's uh, the studios. It's a wake up call for the studios and they're going to have to adjust their rollout plans to include video, a uh, VOD day of, you know, for people who want to stay home and recoup their money. That trolls world tour thing. It made more in two weeks than the first film did in three months. So it's like, that's, that's something that you have to kind of factor into this situation. And, I think we're rushing, and but this side of airplanes, movie theaters are the last place I want to go to because of the cesspool of unhygienic Americans that walk into those things on a normal day, let alone during a coronavirus pandemic, especially when some of them uh, don't want to wear masks anymore, think it's all BS. Uh, I mean, I was driving, you said, you said the restaurants are open. Mike, I drove through West Hollywood. I texted you guys about it. There weren't no separation between tables. They were literally on top of each other with no masks. And I was losing my mind. I'm like, we're in Los Angeles and you people are acting like you're in a pool party in Oklahoma. And it was frustrating as hell for me. And that tells me that it doesn't matter what side of the political fence you're on. People are tired of being of wearing the masks. People are tired of being told to stay home. People are tired of it. So they're going to rebel in little ways. And those rebellions are going to lead to a possible second wave. And that's what concerns me. And I, who have avoided it so far, do not want to get caught up in a second wave of this because I really had to go see Bill and Ted face the music in a room full of crowded people, uh, in a theater full of, full of uh, I'm sorry, a crowded theater full of people. That's my- Shannon and I, Shannon and I will send you photos from the theater. <laughs> and um, I'll send you no. photos from my television a week before it comes out saying, hey, it's fun, go see it, guys. 
Here's here's what I'll say. I mean, I think that I, I'll say two things. Like one, and I've said this, I've said this to a lot of friends. I've had similar conversations to this. Like, it's a it, there's a no shame game here. Like, it everybody should be safe. Everybody should practice social distancing yeah, yeah, yeah. rules. Everybody should be wearing masks. So I'm not saying that you should just be like fuck it and do what you want. But as businesses open, as yeah. we are told uh, that we are allowed to do this, that we are allowed to do that, there's going to be a huge. Uh, variety in people's reactions to that because yes. everyone has a huge reaction to how they feel about getting sick about germs about uh their fear of corona about everything so there's going to be inter an interesting social dynamic as your social group that you used to go do everything with three people are going to want to go to a movie yeah. three people are like i'm not touching a movie theater three people are like let's go get yeah. a drink or let's go to this restaurant so we can sit and have a meal together three people aren't going to want to and yeah. i'm not into like she like like i totally respect that like i completely respect you not wanting to go see movies i'm excited for a day that we can all see movies together yes, me too. but i think that a big piece of making this all happen smoothly in addition to being safe practicing social distancing is just respecting everybody's comfort levels because yeah. i think there's going to be a wide variety and i think that the people that are you know pretending like nothing is wrong and actively flaunting it and not wearing masks and going to bars and just being around like like that i'm not i'm not saying that's a good thing yeah. but i think being smart and following the rules there's still going to be a wide variety i for me it's less about wanting to see it when it just comes out. I think I've said this before on the show. If not, I've certainly said it to the two of you. Sitting in a movie theater, when I think back on the entirety of my life, is like, that's my happy place. Like, I think mm -hmm. every time in college, out here in Los Angeles, you have yeah. a bad day at work, you're stressed about uh, a paper you have to do. Like, any time that I've had anxiety, stress, just been depressed, just not known what to do with myself, gone through a breakup, uh, my place that I go to to sort of turn it all off is I love sitting in a movie theater, sitting with some popcorn, yeah. watching a story unfold on the big screen. So for me, it's much more of a like, with everything going on in the world, I would love nothing more than to escape to a movie theater and just sit and watch something happen. And so, you know, we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to see how this all goes. And to your point, I think the box office of Tenet, the box office of uh of mulan the block yeah. the box office of black widow um all of these it's going to be really really telling and really interesting as far as how things go moving forward yeah yeah yeah, yeah definitely and also just i mean at least in la or, or, or california correct me if i'm wrong but the the guidelines right now are 25 percent of a theater or yes. or or 100 people so inevitably that's whichever going, one is less whichever one is less so inevitably that is going to affect box office. I think an earlier VOD rollout is inevitable. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with Mike. I mean, I hope well, we can get back to that place where one people are, people are following the rules and being respectful of each other. Yeah. I do think, I mean, I think they'll take that into account. I think that what you'll see is when Wonder Woman, Black Widow, whatever comes out, they'll say, we are anticipating, if you were going to anticipate $150 million opening weekend, you cut that into a fourth and say, okay, we were expecting this. We're now expecting this. Yeah. And if you get that, like, then you know that as much as theaters were allowed to, they were full. So you can say, okay, look, these were, in terms of where we're at and what we can sell, these were sold out. And that will be telling. If you're far below that, if you weren't even able to get that, 
Yeah. That's gonna. I think that's gonna be the difference. Like they're definitely not gonna make the box office they would if you can only sell X number of seats. Um, but that's the part that's gonna be really, really interesting. Yeah, I'm already developing movie cubes that are to try to sell into movie theaters where you can install just huge plastic cubes and you could go inside, sit in that plastic cube and watch movies and not be touched right. by anybody. Oh my God, I would love that. <laughs> Mikey, Mikey, movie cubes, movie K-U-Q-B-S. There you go, movie cubes. Anyway, all right, let's move on to our last story. We'll jump into our big thing. Uh, who's got this one, Mikey? Uh, this is me. Uh, kind of a follow-up to a story we talked about earlier. Uh, as most people know, uh, if you're a fan of the CW and DC Comics and the Arrowverse, uh, Ruby Rose uh, very suddenly exited Batwoman um, between their season one and their season two and nobody was quite sure what was going to happen post that and uh that's been clarified a little bit uh cw has announced that they will not be replacing ruby rose's character kate kane with another actress so kate kane who is batwoman will not be returning in batwoman uh instead what they are going to do is um replace her with a new character uh a brand new character named uh i believe it's ryan ryan wilder, wilder. Ryan Wilder. Uh, yeah, Ryan Wilder, um, brand new character. She's likable, messy, a little goofy and untamed uh, with no one in her life to keep her on track uh, is kind of the description. So a very different kind of character than Kate Kane is. Um, definitely still an LGBTQ character, which I know is important to a lot of people, myself included. Um, and another thing they said uh, the, um, that the showrunner, uh, Caroline Drys, just said in a statement that was released uh, Wednesday of this week. So as you guys are watching it yesterday, um, if you're watching this when it comes out, uh, as a lesbian who's been working as a writer for the past 15 years, I'm well aware of the barrier gaze trope and I have no interest in participating in it. That's why it's important to me as a showrunner to clarify any misinformation there is about Kate Kane and recasting Batwoman. Like you, I love Kate Kane. She's the reason I wanted to do the show. We will not erase her. In fact, her disappearance will be one of the mysteries of season two. I don't want to give away any of our surprises, but to all our devoted plans, fans, please know that the LGBTQ plus justice, uh, justice is at the very core of what Batwoman is, and we have no intention of abandoning that. So for anybody that doesn't know the whole bury your gaze trope, uh, is something that happens a lot of times in a lot of television shows where when you have a gay character or specifically when a gay character gets a love interest, they almost instantly die. It happens on Walking Dead. It's happened on other shows. It happens really? all the time. Gay I people, have to explore that. That's interesting. If okay. a gay person gets a relationship in a genre show, yeah. they go down faster than a red shirt in Star Trek. It is crazy. Um, so with with them struggling to do what they were doing with Kate Kane, they didn't want to just say, oh, by the way, she died between season one and season two because that would fall into that trap. Um, so this is interesting. Uh, there's been a lot of commentary uh, in both directions, um, people applauding this and people thinking this is the worst decision they could have ever made. Uh, what do you guys think about this? I, I kind of I, I think it's a fun decision because, yeah, they've written they'd written already two episodes for the second season. And, you know, Carolyn Dry said also said that earlier, she said, like, yeah, well, it kind of sucked that we had to go back and kind of. But then again, we thought this was the right decision. Uh, and so now you kind of open the door for more storylines, right? 
this new character has to come in and reestablish new relationships with your already presented characters, already fleshed out characters from the first season. So that's going to be interesting. Who is she going to get along with? Who is she not going to get along with? Who's going to be on her side? Not on her side. Friction, not friction. What's her path? And what Caroline also said was that this is going to be someone who's maybe a bit too green to be Batwoman. So that strikes me as um, that brings to mind uh, Musicelli's year one with Batman, how he was figuring out how to be Batman. So that's a fascinating storyline as well to explore. Plus, it makes sense business wise. She's younger. The CW uh, audience skews younger, cast someone younger. Uh, play the Ryan Wilder character. Plus, I like the fact that it's Ryan Wilder. That's a very like, is that male or female name? It can go either way. That's smart overall. And so for me, I like this idea. Plus, it allows the fact that maybe if bridges get mended down the road. And by the way, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no real thing out there that says they have a burnt bridge here between uh, Ruby Rose and the production company. Maybe there's stuff behind the scenes. I don't know anything about that. But if the bridges if, get uh, amended. Then maybe down the road, Cassidy, uh, I'm sorry, Cat Kane comes back in some format to guide her or to help her in a situation uh, or whatever. You know, we've seen that happen. So uh, before already with, with Supergirl having Superman initially in the first season through text or messaging, helping her a little bit, and then eventually actually showing up. So this is all possible. And I think it's a smart move. And you kind of go like, you know what? We didn't do her dirty. We didn't replace it like Don Cheadle and uh, and uh, uh, Terrence uh, uh, Howard. We just went this other direction, and let's explore what this could look like. So I think it's exciting, to be honest. And it's not like superheroes haven't been replaced by other people playing them in the comics before, so I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, you know, I, ha I have no dog in the fight here, as I the only time I saw that show was the arrow kind of backdoor pilot that it had oh, yeah. the, the pilot. And I saw her on crisis. I don't know. I, I, I know after it was, there, there was talk that Ben Affleck was going to leave when, when the DCU was still going, like, are they going to yeah. bring Dick Grayson in and have him be Batman? I don't know. I mean, I kind of see the, the usefulness of just saying, you know what? Kate Kane, we're recasting Kate Kane, like Kate yeah. Kane, it, from here on in, Kate Kane is Batwoman. She is going to be Batwoman from here on in. And at least from what I read, and again, I didn't do any deep dive on this, but from what I read, none of the fans were, were up in arms that Ruby Rose left. Exactly. I, I mean, so I don't see the harm in just recasting the character. That okay. being said, the points that John made, I think are very valid. Like you have a chance to cast another um, LGBT uh, performer. And skewing a little younger, I'm like, that's smart, too. There are a bunch of positives that can come out of it. The way that I kind of watch my stuff is I would I would prefer them just recast the role. I was a fan mm -hmm. of like, hey, why can't John Hamm come in and be old Bruce Wayne? Mm -hmm. um, but that's me. But again, I, I have no dog in the fight. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I'm of two minds about it. I think that. There's a lot of people for whom Kate Kane specifically is a very, very important character. Her journey, uh, the way she came out of the closet, the way she came to becoming Batwoman, like that specific story, that specific character is very important. And so to have one of the most prominent LGBTQ plus characters kind of make that leap to television and be the lead of her own show and then through circumstances be set aside for a new character definitely rubs people the wrong way. And I get it. And I think the comparison would be if we finally got a Batman CW show, 
where it was a younger Bruce Wayne who was Batman and he was interacting with the Flash and Air and the Arrow team and everybody else. And every Batman fan was super excited about Bruce Wayne. And this exact same thing happened, saying that Bruce Wayne wasn't going to be Batman anymore and this brand new character was going to come in and take the hmm. cowl. There is a lot of straight dudes who would yeah. lose their absolute shit at well, who well, in the Shannon camp who would say, look, like dudes around it. the board. It doesn't have to be straight. I think dudes Fair. overall. Dudes around the board. Fair. Dudes yeah. around the board. But it is like, so I think that the comparison <laughs> is, you know, I think for a lot of people who don't, to Shannon's point, have a dog in the fight, who don't have feelings about Kate King, kind of go, ah, yeah, I could go either way. Right. Putting yourself in the, hey guys, Clark Kent isn't going to be Superman. Hey, Bruce Wayne isn't going to be Batman, kind of gives you the enormity of making this decision. Um, that being said, like most things, uh, most recently the thing that came to mind was Ahsoka Tano. A lot of times when you wow. add a new element to something that people love, they are going to hate it. I think this is Batwoman, the team on Batwoman, this is their game to win or lose. Yeah, I think yeah. that there's a lot of people that are saying this is a horrible decision. There's a lot of people that are saying this is a good decision. It is all in the execution. If Ryan Wilder becomes a beloved character, if the actress nails it, if the character is fun, if they weave a great story here and this character becomes an awesome follow-up to Batwoman, and particularly, because John, I kind of agree with you. I don't think there's anything that says the mystery of what happened to Kate Kane is a big arc of the season. And in the last two episodes, Ruby Rose comes back as Kate Kane and sort of right. gives the handoff. Maybe, you know, like even if she doesn't show up beyond that, I think having her still exist out there so that Kate Kane is still Kate Kane. Um, if they nail this, they can win it. And I can see Ryan Wilder showing up in her own comic book in DC, you know, stranger wow. things have happened. So yeah. I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Um, and it'll either be a, they did their best, but that was probably a mistake or Holy shit. Uh, everybody is standing for Ryan Wilder, yeah. Ryan Wilder. So we'll see. Or Joan Wilder. Yeah, Ryan Wilder. Go Ryan Wilder. The yeah. Joan Wilder? <laughs> Joan Wilder? Um, Joan Wilder? <laughs> no, I, I, I think you brought up a really extra point I hadn't thought about, Michael. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, Shannon and I, probably dollars and donuts, we won't watch this new Batwoman with Ryan Wilder, but maybe we'll give it a chance, see what it's like. Uh, but the people who actually are invested in this universe, in the Cat Kane storyline, you're right. Like from the comics into this, if it's it's a very important character to them. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I'd be like, I hated when Azrael took over for Batman. I don't like anybody wearing the cowl but Bruce Wayne. I don't. I, I just feel an aversive reaction. Now, am I going to go on Twitter and go upset about it? No, but I will not support it by not buying those comics. That's how I show my support. I don't need to go crazy on Twitter about it. It's just my own personal thing. So I respect if some people are upset they're not going to get that Cat Kane storyline in a prominent show like this that was very much hyped up by the CW because of the LGBTQ representation uh, that they were doing in this. So, yeah, but that's a, it's an excellent point I hadn't thought about. Conversely to that point, I'll give you the flip side of that, which is I refused. I think I said this before. I refused to read uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man number one by Brian Michael Bendis for months <laughs> because I was like, Peter Parker is Spider-Man. It was not, right. it wasn't a race thing. It wasn't anything. It was just same thing. I'm like, Bruce Wayne is Batman. Peter Parker is Spider-Man. So the fact that they killed Peter Parker, I was like, that was like, I can't believe they did that. I don't know about this new thing. And then people were like, you've got to read this. You've got to read this. And I think it was, I think I maybe made it 
a page and a half, two pages in, three pages into the to the Spider-Man comic where I was like, shit, this is great. God <laughs> damn it, Brian, Brian Michael Bendis did it again. But like Miles Morales, like so it, that Miles Morales is the goal for what the Batwoman team wants to do, which is yeah. take away an iconic character in their backstory and say, this person is not doing this anymore. Right. And create somebody that is so interesting and so dynamic and becomes so beloved that they rise up and become a hugely prominent person. Like Miles Morales is as much Spider-Man now to me and to a lot of people yeah. as Peter Parker is. So if it's really, that's the goal. Like the goalpost for them is, Make Ryan Wilder Miles Morales, and you've got to win on your hands. And there have been examples of when characters who were who were created for film or television, when they do become incredibly popular, and they make the transition to comics, like yeah. Agent Coulson or Calder from Young Justice. I mean, yeah. if, or, if Ryan or Wilder, Harley Quinn, right? Great points. Yeah, I, I um, said I said Calder because I got Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, on the Harley Quinn Calder popularity poll. Like, <laughs> but you do you. But you do you. <laughs> you're you're going you, to get some aqua hate on Twitter, Michael. <laughs> Enjoy that tidal wave. Hey, um, I, ah, that's a tsunami of hate. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the last thing I would like to add to this is because I'm the kind of because I, I like this even more so because I didn't like the Terrence Howard switch and I still don't like it and I'll never like it. And I like Don Cheadle as an actor. He's a phenomenal actor. Love him and everything he does. But you took away the one guy that could call Tony Stark out on his bullshit for real. And Terrence Howard's energy was that. And I don't I do think a little bit behind the scenes. Robert Downey's like, you know what? I kind of want to stand on my own. I don't want somebody constantly questioning me, take away the spotlight. I would not be surprised. It's a it's a, obviously it was a wise decision because we all fell in love with him and his what happens to him in Endgame is incredibly heartbreaking. And it's built up through all those movies because he's allowed to stand on his own. If you had a guy next to him, it was always like, yeah, but Tony, remember when you banged all those girls? Remember when you did you smoke, you know, all the stuff I had to pull you out of, then it's a different energy, right? And I think Terrence Howard. Uh, wanted to play a different uh, version of War Machine that was just as powerful as Tony Stark and effective and able to call him out on his bullshit. So the switch will always bother me, uh, but I understand what it was done, but it doesn't mean that I have to like it. So yeah, I, I like that they didn't recast Cat Kane and they've gone with this new character. Um, and, and it's a different energy too here because I imagine they're not going to cast a character that's going to radiate that leadership vibe they wanted Cat Kane to have in that no, crossover. I mean, it, sounds like, it sounds like they're yeah. doing the exact opposite. Yeah, yeah, they'll put her maybe, you know, kind of figuring her out as it goes along. And that'll be a journey to watch if they get this right, Mike. You're right. If they get this, it's on there on them to 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 to, to win or lose on this one. Because if they get this right, five years from now, we're talking about Ryan Wilder's progression through the series to the point where she is leading the entire Arrowverse. That could yeah. be interesting uh, as well. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, all right. Well, let's. Uh, that's our geek news items uh, for uh, this week. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and we'll jump into the rest of the Geek Buddies right after this. And we're back. All right, Shannon. What's yeah, the what happened? Where'd you go? I ran to the living room because I, I think I figured out why I was echoing. So I, oh, I, switched, okay. I, I switched my earbuds. Oh, uh, there we go. Can all you tell the difference go. already? Yes. All, all right. right. <laughs> Not at all. Not even a little bit. But, but uh, thanks for right. trying. 
<laughs> hey, I appreciate you trying. It's good to see a little like scamper. Uh, all right, well, th- let's move on to our main uh, topic today. You know, so much has been happening in the world with everything going on with the uh, Black Lives Matter protest and people coming online now feeling even stronger about their points of views about racism, about uh, stopping any kind of, uh, I don't know, bias or prejudice towards people of uh, uh, people who are gay, people who are trans. And uh, this is all uh, kind of conspiring over the last few days uh, to put in an interesting bunch of characters in the same bowl of soup here who are suffering backlashes for their comments uh, and reaping the consequences for their comments, either present or in the past. Uh, and uh, Mike, do you want to lead this one talking about the J.K. Rowling situation? I, sure. I defer to you, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, yeah. Do you want me to handle? Do you want me to like tee up all three, or just are we going J.K. first? Like, no, no, no tee up all three, and then just then slide into J.K. and right. we'll talk about the other ones. Uh, as, so uh, yeah, you know, yeah. we were discussing what we were going to talk about this week, and kind of uh, obviously uh, J.K. Rowling's tweets uh, tra- about her transphobic treat t- tweets, her opinion on um, trans people was kind of the first thing that came up. Um, we'll dive into that and get into the specifics in a second. Yeah. But then right on the heels of that, uh, Hartley Sawyer, the actor who plays Elongated Man on Flash, was let go of the Flash, will not be returning um, because of a bunch of tweets that he had sent uh, a few years back that were deemed uh, misogynist, racist, uh, homophobic, transphobic. There was, a bu- there was a bunch of tweets. So there was a, there was a bunch of things. Um, and then... As we were discussing those things, uh, as of us recording this on Wednesday, uh, HBO Max made the decision um, based on a op-ed in the LA Times that John Ridley, the director, had written um, and decided to remove Gone with the Wind from HBO Max for a period of time. Um, He wrote a big op-ed. It was really interesting, kind of saying that with everything going on, Gone with the Wind is sort of the ultimate movie that sort of glorifies the South and has tons of racist overtones, and that maybe HBO Max should consider taking it down at least for a little bit and doing something different with it. Um, And so that blew up. Like, I woke up to a thousand tweets about Gone with the Wind, which was very confusing until I dug into it. Um, So... What we decided to talk about today is uh, is cancel culture, um, is the idea of uh, are we allowed to still like Harry Potter? Do we have to hate Harry Potter? Should we be taking stuff down? How should we be taking stuff down? How do we navigate this world where we are all becoming more aware of what our words mean, of what uh, of the differing viewpoints in the world and how our entertainment doesn't always reflect that? Yeah. Um, and so that was, that was, it's a lot to tackle. So we'll see as much as we can do. Um, should I just dive into some specifics on JK Rowling yeah, yeah, first yeah. and start there? Okay. So, uh, JK Rowling, uh, has gotten in trouble with this in the past. She's definitely had some tweets, uh, that were deemed transphobic in the past. She decided for reasons that none of us will ever know that in the midst of everything else happening in the past few weeks, uh, with black lives matter and protesting and everything else that she was going to double down on those comments. There was an article, uh, that kind of got her going. That was about menstruation. Um, something none of the three of us deal with, but everyone is aware of what it is. Uh, and the article referred to people who menstruate as opposed to women. And that was the beginning of what set JK Rowling off. Um, she got really upset that they did not define people who menstruate as women. Uh, and then doubled down saying that uh, sex is sex. You can't change it. This is something that is horrible. And this is something that goes directly against what uh, a lot of many, most people in the trans community believe. What people in the trans community believe is that when you are born trans, uh, you are basically 
a woman in a man's body. Like you are, you, you identify as a woman, you feel like a woman and any changes you make to your physical body are sort of catching you up to that, that you are, you are what you are. Uh, and JK Rowling does not believe this. Uh, and that was very, very apparent. And she has been since sort of run through the coals on Twitter. People are coming for her uh, and not just on the transphobic stuff, but that has unearthed a lot of people's feelings about a lot of issues in the Harry Potter books that as beloved as they are, are deemed problematic. Whether that be the depiction of the uh, small hook-nosed goblins who run all the money in the wizarding world as seen as somewhat anti-Semitic, um, whether naming your only Asian character Cho Chang, um, or having a race of house elves who are living to serve the wizards and seem super content with it. So there's been a ton of things that have come up and she's been dealing with all that. And as of us recording this on Wednesday, she just recently came out this morning with a very, very long essay uh, trying to explain her feelings on the trans community. Uh, and it is not going great for her currently on Twitter. Uh, her, her extended explanation does not seem to be... Um, doing anything for a lot of people except reaffirming a lot of transphobic ideas that she is espousing. So that is the JK Rowling of it all. And that has led to a lot of things happening. A lot of people saying that they've always hated Harry Potter, people who currently loved Harry Potter feeling like maybe they shouldn't love Harry Potter or people who still want to love the art despite the artist. Uh, and this has included Daniel Radcliffe, who's done a lot of work with the Trevor Project coming out and uh, standing up for the trans community and saying, uh, if you did find joy in the Harry Potter books in the love of friendship and the acceptance that is there, that is great and that shouldn't be taken away from you. Um, and a lot of people were really glad that Harry Potter himself stood up to say that. So that is, in a nutshell, uh, the J.K. Rowling of it all. Yeah. Um, well, this is an interesting situation, you know, because... Having worked at the park, I've seen the power of that series of books. I've seen the power of that world and how it's affected people and how it moves people, how it takes people who feel disenfranchised, who feel out of the mainstream, who don't feel normal. Uh, and as much as we like to create this idea that the nerds have taken over the world, there are still people within that community who feel excommunicated from excommunicated from that own from their own community as well they feel out of place from what they see in tv what they see in the ads what they see in the world themselves and i've seen what the power of harry potter can do how it emotionally moves people how it makes people happy and gives them a place to run to hell i mean to be honest with you that's why i took the i i, I fought for the job is because we all three went to see it in orlando and i was in a particularly down point in my life and walking into that land that universal uh, i'm sorry the uh, wizarding world of harry potter at universal studios in orlando I felt just peace, this happiness, this joy, and this desire to just get an apartment and live there for the rest of my life. And it really affected me at that time. So going and getting the job was my way of like paying it forward every time I did my show, trying to pay it forward to whoever might be in the in the audience who liked uh, Harry Potter or loved Harry Potter and conveying that. So I know it's got the power to do great things in the world. It's sad to see the JK do this, uh, go out in this, uh, go this route. Because you're right, Michael, this is a bit, and you can look at it in a subway, a subway, like it's kind of a little bit uh, of, uh, of uh, white privilege. So you think in the middle of all this stuff that this is the argument you need to have at this moment. Like if this is the time you need to tweet something like this without like read the room, read the world. Don't even read the room, read the world. Nobody at this point wants to hear that bullshit from you, especially because 
you've already, you know, kind of gotten away with a world, as you stated, Mike, with uh, goblins that look a certain way, with house elves that act a certain Hell, there's no effing Latinos at all in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Kiss my ass for that, you know, and the Cho Chang situation. All of that, she's been able to escape. And my argument towards those people who love Harry Potter, and this is the one you want to die on, not the other ones? I guess it's all personal. But she is problematic. Now, I'm not saying she's racist. I'm saying she's problematic. There is a difference in the line there. But what she's created has done a lot of good in the world. And certainly, Eddie Redman came out also, along with uh, Danny Ratcliffe, and kind of gave her, put her on blast for her comments and uh, tried to get people to uh, embrace the world again. But then she dropped that essay. And in that essay, she is absolutely unapologetic paints herself as the victim of harassment and then kisses her own butt by talking about the mounds and mounds of supportive emails and letters that she got. I think we have to start looking at this as a person who is falling off the deep end. To be honest with you, as intelligent as she may be, we've seen people of certain intelligence kind of go off the deep end uh, because they just go start going down a path and there's no way back. And she can hide it with, oh, I was writing a novel or I'm exploring. She can hide it behind all that crap. But the timing of these tweets, the timing of the last two years of her comments and her tweets and her liking uh, certain things, it has to be called into question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Having having read uh, a, a few of a few of the things that she's she's talked about over the years, I don't know, man. I I, I think when you are as successful as she is and you are surrounded by uh, so many people who they just adore you that you, that maybe you, you don't have a good sounding board mm. for the things that you, that you should express and the things that you should say. I mean, at, at some point, I think when you're an artist and you put a work on, you put a work of art out there, that art stops being yours. It, it becomes the, it becomes the audiences. And so I don't, I don't think anyone that's sort of questioning whether or not they should like Harry Potter anymore. I mean, you can't you can't argue what you took from it. Um, but in terms of her, I mean, yeah, I, I can't do more than just echo what John said is like, man, read the room like this. This this is this is not about you right now. Yeah, I think, I you know, sadly, uh, one place where I think I might disagree a little bit, although I wish I agreed more, is that I don't know that it is her going off the deep end. I think that, sadly for the trans community, uh, they have a really, really hard time. I mean, transphobia is still something that is a huge issue, particularly for Black trans women. Um, there's still so much confusion, so much fear, so much hate uh, that they deal with on a daily basis that Trump's uh, you know, what I, as a white cisgender gay man deals with, uh, on a regular basis. So, uh, I think that, I think that what she's saying is, you know, stuff that a lot of people who don't know a trans person, who don't know the trans community as well, it, it sounds almost, almost, it sounds like it makes sense to them. Like when she says, look, you're either a man or a woman and that can't change. And no matter what else you do, that is true. That a lot of people would go, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense. I get that. And that's the scary part. It's not someone going off the deep end. It's someone who's saying things that are purposely there to confuse the issue, purposely there to sort of uh, make trans people sound different or other than. It's no different than what uh, gay people dealt with for years saying, oh, well, you chose to be gay. You weren't born that way. You were you chose to be gay. And once you know someone, you guys known me for years. You're like, you were always gay. Um I didn't know. Very clear. 
was very clear. I had to ask not all about it. John, John had to ask. He got a little confused. But I think that, and then to double down on that statement in her essay, saying things like, any guy who wants to be a woman can be a woman now, and they're going to come into bathrooms and attack women, even though there is no proof of any no, case of a trans person yeah. ever doing that. Uh, that's just feeding into fear. And then to kind of sort of add to it uh, in her writerly way in her essay saying, you know, you're going to uh, you're going to hurt the women's rights movements just because you want to put on a dress and wear some expensive Jimmy Choo's. I mean, that is. Yeah, that is that's that is just straight up transphobic. So I think yeah. I don't think she's going off the deep end. I think she feels very strongly about this. And I think that uh, that's what the problem is. I mean, the reason that the term turf uh, trans exclusionary radical feminist exists is because she's not the only one who thinks these things. And I think right. that's what the danger is. She's not the only one who thinks it. But out of all the people in the world, she might have one of the biggest platforms. And for someone who wrote a book that was ostensibly supposed to be about uh, you know, the inherent racism that certain pureblood wizards had against muggles and mudbloods and everything else yeah. to kind of take this stance. It, it hurts a lot of people, particularly people in the trans community who do love Harry Potter. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's a shame. I do think that, uh, Shannon, what you said is true, which is if, if Harry Potter has given you comfort, if the world of Hogwarts and wizarding and all of that, if you identify as a Gryffindor or a Hufflepuff or a Slytherin or a Ravenclaw, I think that you shouldn't let this take it away from you. If you do, if you, if you can never look at Harry Potter again, if you are done with it, like, absolutely, you're right. I think that yeah. that is true. I think that, but I think that just as much as, you know, whether whether Walt Disney was anti-Semitic or not, whether a lot of creators, like we, there's a ton of literature and art in the world that is filled with problematic people. Um, and my personal opinion, and by no means does anybody have to stick to this, is I'm still going to take what I love from Harry Potter, but, and I think this gets into the Gone with the Wind conversation, I'm not going to shy away from the problematic nature of things. I'm not right. going to shy away from the problematic nature of the author, and I'm also not going to take, especially knowing what I know about her now, uh, and not use that to like reflect on the choices that she made, whether it be with goblins or Cho Chang or elves or anything else. Yeah. I mean, that's, you have to factor in, you have to, you know, look at all of it. And there's, there's a line that gets crossed, you know, you can forgive and you can forgive. And then eventually you're just like, well, no, this is a pattern here. And we have to kind of take a look at it and see what the end result is going to be. And you're right, Mike, what you stress about the fact that she has such a large platform it can be dangerous. It gives people who have this point of view now someone to point to and go, yeah, if she believes that and look at how many followers and look what she did, look what she created. Uh, there must be something. There must be nothing wrong with that. There must be something good about what she's saying. Uh, and then people who have loved her and her story. Right. I mean, I loved her story. This is a woman who was struggling to pay her bills, who was riding on a train on the dole, had a kid like in a terrible situation in her life. And she fought to create something incredible uh, to, 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 to move so many people and uh, give so many people comfort to have it kind of turned around uh, it is a shame, is an incredible shame. And she seems to be doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on this. And there's no pulling her. It seems to be no pulling her back from it uh, at all. Because I'm sure every PR agent or whoever is on her team was like, please don't write this. Please don't write this. For the love of God, don't write this. And she's like, screw you. I can buy and get a bunch of new ones of you tomorrow or tonight. 
uh, I'm going to write this, you know? So it's and I do about. think that it also does affect, um, cause I think another piece of this is, you know, how you feel about, uh, a work that was created that you loved or that meant a lot to you is one thing, but also whether you choose to continue to support that artist, I think yeah. is another big question. And I think yeah. that my feelings about Harry Potter or my feelings about Harry Potter, they've definitely shifted, uh, the more that I've learned and the more that I've read about what she said. Right. But I also think, although I may always hold Harry Potter in a certain place, I'm more, I'm probably less likely to support her future endeavors now than I would have been before. I think that's probably the way to go. I mean, uh, we were just, uh, Steve and I were just reviewing that documentary, Be Water, the Bruce Lee documentary on ESPN. And one of the things he talks about that philosophy of Be Water is, you know, study something intensely, take what you need from it and discard the rest. So the, the dedication of the Harry Potter franchise people have had, take the positive things that have really helped you in your life and discard the other stuff. And you don't have to support JK going forward. It doesn't deteriorate your love of Harry Potter. It doesn't, and it shouldn't. What was great there is still great there, uh, regardless of what has happened with the author, you know? Because that author didn't just stay in that world of Harry Potter for the rest of her life. She moved on to do other things, or he moved on to do other things if there's other franchises you're into. And then, so speaking of uh, art being what it is, how do you feel? So we dive in. Do you want to do you want to dive into the gone with the wind of it all, John? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, the Hartley thing is pretty simple. He wrote terrible tweets. Should have been fired. And with the elongated man, they can just have him do a new face. This is my new face now. I'm Ralph Dibney. This is what I look like now. Uh, Shannon, I think you agree with that, right? You're an elongated man fan. Uh, I do like Ralph Dibney, but at this point, I think it's probably better just to get rid of the character. Oh, okay. <laughs> Because it's it's linked it's linked to it's linked to Hartley Sawyer at this oh. point. I think I think for this iteration of, of DC storytelling, best just to say goodbye to him. Okay. Well, yeah, and I think look, I think that words matter. You yeah. know, it's like there's there's definitely I've seen tweets about this, and I I mean I didn't see a ton of tweets defending Hartley Sawyer, but there was the <laughs> idea of uh, it wasn't wasn't like there was an outpouring of support and people. There weren't tweets from a Sartley Hoyer out there. Well, <laughs> I think I think that it's like, you know, there's just a, well, he made these jokes a long time ago and uh, they were meant to jokes be jokes, jokes. And whatever. And, you know, it's like, all I can say to that is like, I, I, I don't, I, I'd have to check Twitter, but I'm pretty sure like, I don't think I've ever made a joke like that. Yeah. You know, I don't, I think that the fact that that was deemed something that he should blast out to everybody, whenever it was, uh, kind of speaks to like, yeah, that's, that's what we're fighting against right now. Whether it be uh, Black Lives Matter, whether it be LGBTQ rights, trans rights, whether it be yeah. misogyny and how we treat women, like that there's an idea of like, oh, he was just joking. It was locker room talk. It was fine. I'm like, well, first of all, don't put it on fucking Twitter. And yeah. second of all, it's not fine. I mean, these are the types of conversations we need to be having. And so I think it was probably the right call. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. All right, so Gone with the Wind. Listen, I'm no fan of this movie, never have been, um, and no surprise to me that other people are coming around to the problems with this movie. Talk about problematic and borderline racist. I don't 100% agree with John Ridley's point of view that it's, that it's a racist movie. I think it is a movie set at a certain time based on a novel that was glorifying the South. Absolutely. But they're not go over there, you know, stepping on black people's necks for lack of a better uh, uh, image or doing anything that you've heard, putting slaves in the steel, things that we saw in the Civil War. They're not doing that. But 
the treatment there, you know, is not a positive treatment, even though, and this is what the difficult thing about this whole thing, Sadie McDaniel won, Hattie McDaniel rather won the Oscar for her portrayal of, uh, I think it's Mammy is the name of the character uh, in that uh, film. So it's a complicated situation because Clark Gable is, yeah. I, every person who is going crazy on Twitter saying, how dare you? I, I love that everyone is pretending that the reason that they're upset about Gone with the Wind is that Hattie McDaniel won an Oscar. If you're oh, is that what they're people, hiding behind? Yeah, if you're if you're one of those people that is like, how dare you remove Gone with the Wind? Don't you know Hattie McDaniel won an Oscar? <laughs> I've got news for you. You need to calm down. Like that is not like like that is not the reason. Oh, it just drives me crazy. But continue, I, please. I, I, yeah, I agree. That's actually a terrible, terrible defense uh, because, you know, it is a character that's not shown as a proud black person. She's shown as a slave to that family, you know. And Clark Gable, fantastic work in this movie uh, from the two times I've seen it. But for Vivian Lee, I will take her work in Streetcar Named Desire or about 10 other films before I refer back to her work in this film. It is a film that if it goes away, we don't lose anything about our film history at all, other than this is still adjusted for inflation, the highest grossing film ever made. That's the but only also, moniker to it. But also, and this is where I think this needs to just be like everybody like needs to take a step back. First of all, it is one of the, it is the highest grossing. Like yep. it's one of the most successful movies of all time. It is absolutely a part. Like I do think that if right. Gone with the Wind was a race tomorrow, uh, that is a piece of Hollywood history that would be erased. Here's the thing, though. Nobody is talking about erasing it yeah. at all. Yeah. Even John Ridley, uh, here, I pulled it up. Um, let me be clear. I don't believe in censorship. I don't think Gone with the Wind should be relegated to a vault in Burbank. I would just ask, after a respectful amount of time has passed, yeah. that the film be reintroduced to the HBO Max platform, along with other films that give a more broad-based and complete picture of what slavery slavery, and the Confederacy truly were. And in point of fact, that is exactly 100% what HBO Max said they were doing. They took it down right now yeah. because things are kind of in a big moment of social upheaval yep. and change um, and change, hopefully. And they're going to put it back up for all those gone with the wind stands out there. And they're going to include a conversation about what that movie is, like what is problematic about it, what it makes other people feel like when they watch it. And I think that's the real key here is that the Megan Kellys of the world who are taking this ball and running with it and saying, well, now we have to get rid of every movie that has ever offended everybody and are like going crazy on Twitter saying yeah. that we're going to do all of these things. Like the point is that that no one is even asking for that. What people are asking for, what, what he's asking for and what other people are asking for is, and this, whether it be the JK Rowling, Rowling piece of this that we're talking about or whatever, which is, Art exists, art happened. And, and this is another thing that was trending this morning, throwing something under the rug and pretending it never happened like Disney did with Song of the South, probably also not the correct answer because those things happened, you made them, they speak to a time and place yeah. and clearly sweeping everything under the rug and pretending that we don't have a problem with racism in our country has not worked out so great for us. Right. The way to handle this is to hold these things up and say, cool, cool, cool. A lot of people love this movie. As a movie, take any kind of what it's about out of it. It's a well-made movie. It has good performances. It won a lot of awards. It's, it's, it's a piece of filmmaking history. 
here is why this is a problem. And the yeah. people that are so upset today about how dare you do this to Gone with the Wind, HBO Max is bowing down to censorship, blah, 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 are trying to move past this important piece of it, which is we need to have a discussion about this movie. It's not enough to just have it be up there and be like, Gone with the Wind is great. Gone with the Wind is great with a really, really, really big asterisk next to it. Yeah. And that discussion has to happen. And the fact that when somebody even asked to have that discussion, it's met with the sky is falling, how dare you, by a whole bunch of white people, pretty much speaks for itself. We're placating their base to keep their views and their support and their money in their pocket, not a genuine bone in their body, in my opinion. Go ahead, Shannon. No, I mean, I don't, I don't have a, a, a terrible amount to add. I mean, like you, John, I have no love for this movie. This movie... <laughs> I mean, I, I grew up watching this movie because my sisters liked it because mm -hmm. of, because of the Scarlet Rhett Ashley love story. Right, right. I, did, I didn't like it because it was four hours, and that was four hours that they had the television. I won't pretend to say <laughs> problematic presentation of the South is why I didn't like it. Um, but yeah, I mean, presenting something with the proper context right now is very, very important. And yeah. as you said, like HBO Max has said, it will return, but they're going to reevaluate how they present it. And I think that's important. Yeah. And I just get, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Johnny. I know in the history, the, 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 you know, the uh, overreactions of people are standard stuff you're seeing nowadays, but I like that a lot of people were rebelling to rebelling finally over the last few days, couple of weeks at these overreactions to things. I love it. I love that people are finally calling out these people on their bullshit. Tucker Carlson, all these idiots who are using their platforms to placate a fervent fan base so that they can still afford their houses and their cars and their style of living. And they don't actually believe a damn word they're saying. This is the stuff that, uh, that and that doesn't remove their responsibility of saying it. I want that make that very, very clear. They're still responsible for the words that are coming out of their mouths. I'm just saying they're only doing it to get uh, these people wild up so they can keep selling their books or selling their, their, their crap or keep their advertisers making money. Uh, I think all of the, I love that people are pushing back about that because that overreaction stuff is purposely meant to cover over what's actually really happening, to well, not actually deal with what's happening, to kind of obscure the actual issue that's happening here. And that is uh, right. Rational minded people are saying, hey, this isn't good. We should pull it down. Let's put it up with a disclaimer. I think they should have Breakfast at Tiffany's as well. I think any of those films that have problematic racist portrayals of people need to absolutely put up stuff uh, in there. And hey, this also extends to gay portrayals. This also extends to Latino portrayals, Asian portrayals. Any portrayals you've got on uh, on there, there should be a disclaimer up there to explain, hey, this was at this time. We thought this was correct, blah, blah, blah. You know, like those racist Looney Tunes cartoons, some of those Disney cartoons. There is problematic stuff all over the place. There's nothing wrong with as being a rational company or human being and being like, okay, we understand that. We're going to put these disclaimers up and uh, and and then and then uh, say where they can go to get more information about these kinds of things. There are plenty of foundations or educational websites that have been set up to, to educate people about these issues, so they have a more well-rounded approach to it. And it doesn't have to remove your love of the movie or the TV show or the cartoon or animated series. It's just telling you, look at this completely, the full picture of it. That's all. 
Yeah, and like I think the thing that really kind of irks me about all of it is when, because I've been talking about this a lot this week, is when I think about the American history that we were taught in school, which actually legitimately erases most of the horrible things that white people have done. Like the fact that it took Watchmen to get me to learn what the Tulsa race riots were. I mean, I think that like the fact that the fact that if you are a person of color, an indigenous person, a minority in this country, uh, the fact that, you know, most people outside of the LGBTQ community don't know what the Stonewall riots were. Like the fact that the fact that actual histories of people who were not white are legitimately uh, erased in our country Mm -hmm. to then turn around and get all up in arms and dare to have the audacity to imply that by taking down a statue of a Confederate soldier or changing the name of an army base or having the audacity to take down Gone with the Wind for a minute and put it back up with a, hey, here's why this movie was racist, oh. that that gets you. That, that It makes me so angry that, that there's this, how di- that there's this uh, accusation of erasing history by the power structure that has consistently really uh, erased history throughout our entire history. It's a phenomenal point, Michael. That is a fantastic and phenomenal point that me being so race aware haven't hasn't even thought about. I've just been so focused on fighting back at people who are saying, you know, like, oh, you're erasing history by doing this. But I'm, no, they're still staying in the textbook. There's still books about this person. You're never going to erase this person. I didn't even think about the fact that the people erasing it are the same ones who have tr- who have systematically erased a lot of the terrible actions that their race has done in the progression of this country. It's such a great, yeah. great thing. Like, yeah, me, me growing up. Me, in every empire, every empire that's ever sure. existed. This has happened. So, yeah. But the fact that I'm the kid who, you know, grew up in the suburbs and every Thanksgiving, half the class dressed up as Indians and half the class dressed up as pilgrims. And we had like a happy dinner together because we were told that's how that went down. I mean, you know, it's just it's one thing after another thing after another thing. The fact that that that, uh, you know, I saw a tweet this week that was like, here's how racism is taught in America. Slavery was bad. Abraham Lincoln fixed it. It was really good for a long time. Then things got bad again, but Martin Luther King fixed it. Now there's no racism. <laughs> like that's, that is the equivalent of what we are taught. And that is so horribly, horribly inaccurate and so horribly yeah. offensive. And so not to the service of anyways. And so long story short, with all of yeah. these things, um, I think when we get into cancel culture, which is the bigger sort of umbrella that we're talking about here, um, I think canceling things uh, to the point of deleting them and pretending they never existed is not actually helpful for anyone. And I think it's a not a nuanced reaction. But I do think that holding people accountable for the work that they did and what it said and what it meant for the time and having actual discussion about what was good, what was bad, why it was bad, what it says about the culture of the time, what it says about where we're going and where we want to go that is actually a useful way to use art uh, to move us forward rather than cling on to something as wouldn't it be great if things were this way still? Yeah, great point. Great point. Um, okay, well, I think that's a, a good place to stop this discussion. We had an hour and 15 minutes. Thank you all so much for uh, watching this episode of the Geek Buddies or downloading and listening to this episode of Geek Buddies 
on uh, the podcast feed. Can't thank you how much. I mean, can't thank you enough and tell you how much we appreciate your support and your love of our show and all your comments and tweets. Uh, and if you're uh, when you're watching us, please leave a comment below. Please leave a like below on this video as well. It's very important. The likes and the comments move us up in uh, in the YouTube uh, algorithm to get noticed, to get this channel noticed and the show noticed by them as well. Shannon, what do we got to tell them? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel, it's at MKToon. If you'd like to follow Mr. Roca, it's at the Roca Says. Mikey? Uh, yeah, listen. Check out our tweets. Listen to what we say. If you don't like it, leave a comment. Let's have a nuanced discussion about it. Uh, <laughs> bottom line is um, we've actually been loving the comments lately that you've been leaving on YouTube. We've been loving the the tweets that you guys have been sending out. We've been lo loving a lot of that discussion. So we just want to encourage more of that. Definitely, like Johnny said, subscribe to his page, like this video, uh, leave comments below. If you are listening to us and you're not on the YouTube channel, check out the YouTube channel because you get to see our smiling faces. But if do, if listening to us while you're running is your thing and you're listening to us on iTunes or Spotify or Anchor or wherever it is, please take a moment after that jog or after that drive to uh, whip out the phone, hit a like, leave a comment, just do whatever you can to spread it forward. And obviously retweet us, uh, post us on Facebook, spread us around wherever your people are at because we love having these conversations. Uh, we love talking geek stuff with you guys and we want to continue doing it. Yeah. And speaking of talking geek stuff with you guys, I think we can say we are going to do our first live episode of uh, the Geek Buddies. We had planned for it next week. I think we're going to wait an extra week. Yeah. Do a little two weeks of promotion for it. I think that's, is that sound right for you guys? I yeah. think so it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be exciting. We basically, we were all discussing it and you guys have been uh, so much fun to sort of interact with on YouTube and so much fun to interact with on Twitter that we figured, I think, yeah, like Johnny said, in a couple of weeks, we'll post when the episode is going to happen and you guys can join in, uh, you know, pop up in a fourth box and like, let's have a nerdy chat. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a lot of fun uh, to have to, to interact with you all live on the Outlaw Nation, on the Geek Buddies for sure. All right. For uh, Shannon McClung, Michael Vogel, I'm John Roga. Thank you all so much for joining us here on the Geek Buddies, and we'll talk to you next time on the Geek Buddies. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream.
So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.